Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to John chapter 4. Join us. If you're members of our KCC family and you missed being here last week, I really want to ask you uh, to make the time sometime in the next week or two weeks to go back and catch up with Lesson 1 from our new series that we're starting, Here I Am to Worship. I think, I, I feel the pulse of this church along with the desire in my heart, and that is, I want to be a better worshiper at the end of 2013 than I was at the beginning. Am I tracking with you? I really do. I want God to see me grow and mature in, in the kind of worshiper that I am and what I think he hopes that I will be. And why I think lesson one is important for those of you who weren't able to be a part of this last week is there's an important question you need to ask that's going to impact how you worship and even how you grow as a worshiper. And here's the question. Is God a concept in your life or is he a reality? Now, don't be too quick to answer that. I'd like for you to listen to the lesson and, and have, have that be challenged. Is God a concept in your life? Or is he, a, is he a reality? Now, however that unfolds for you uh, is going to make a difference, not just this week, but how you live as a worshiper of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not part of our KC family, you can just click on that, the website. If there's something about today's lesson, especially those of you from Bolsome, if something about today's lesson you know, pricks your interest and you say, I'd like to hear a little bit more about that, just go to our website. Uh, under, the, under media, click uh, Here I Am to Worship, and you'll see weight training, and that's lesson number one. Lesson number two, being seeker-sensitive. That is a, a word that's been used a lot over the last ten years in regards to church growth. Um, and it's been used in the sense of how can we go out in the community and poll them and see what it is they would like to have in a worship service and let's alter that and be sensitive to those who are walking in the doors and, and change what we do so that we can be more appealing. All right? I've got a problem with that. I want to be seeker-sensitive in some ways, but I want you to know I want to be God-focused first. And I want to hear what it is He's after, and I want to major in that regardless of whoever shows up. Because I believe with all of my heart, God knows what I need the most. And God knows what not just I need, but also those who don't know Christ yet the most. And I have a feeling that if they walk in this door and they realize that really we're seeker-sensitive, but we're seeker-sensitive in regards to what he wants, I believe what Paul says in 1 Corinthians is going to happen. People will fall down and say, wow, God surely is among you. John chapter 4 is an interesting chapter when we talk about worship in the church. I really don't know that you can have a serious discussion without dealing, what, dealing with what happens here in this particular context. And it's a crazy context to talk about worship. It catches me off guard that God chooses this particular set of circumstances to say some of the weightier things he says about the church and its worship. He's not having a discussion here with one of the Sanhedrin leaders. He's not having a discussion here with one of the disciples. He's having it with a woman while she's doing a chore. That's crazy to me. Of the, the weightiness and the significance about what he's going to talk about as we're going to look into this this morning. It just, it floors me. He does so in the midst of a menial, everyday, mundane chore. And it really is every day. 
Don't think for a moment that this is any specific or spectacular or special day. This is just Wednesday. It's just Tuesday morning chores. And this lady is coming to draw some water for her family. And since I doubt if many of you had that chore this week for your family, I want you to think, do dishes, okay? Or mow the grass. Or, or, or put the sheets on the bed. Or, or clean up after your little brother. Or whatever it is that mom or dad asks you to do or, or it's on your list of things to do, I want you to think ordinary Tuesday, Wednesday, knocking off the chores. And Jesus meets a woman who's coming to complete one of her list of things to do. And what he says about not just her life, but our lives, 2,000 years later, rocks my world. He's going to share a conversation with this woman that is extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. She's going to remember what she was wearing on this day. She's going to remember what time of day she had come. She is going to remember her mood. It's one of those moments in her life, like maybe you've had in your life, that she will never, ever forget. And it's a grace bomb. Let's read the text. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 5. And so Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. That's when a Samaritan woman came to draw some water. And Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? You see, his disciples had gone into town to buy some food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How, how can you ask me for a drink? Think, um, black man, 1960s walking up to one of those white fountain, black fountain establishments and the, the white fountain is out and a white man is leaning up against the black fountain and he'd like to have a drink. How tense that would be. That's what you've got to hear as you hear these words. What, what are you doing asking me for a drink? For you Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, it stands and ask you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Well, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well's deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, I'm telling you, everybody who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will be as a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, the woman said, sir, would you give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water? Jesus says, well, go call your husband and come back. I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. The fact is you've had five. And the man that you're now with is not your husband. What you said is quite true. Well, sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, the time is coming and now is when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. But there is a time coming. 
that has come. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, listen, I know the Messiah. He's the one that's called the Christ. I know he's coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Jesus then said, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's an ordinary Sunday. Just an ordinary Sunday. And a lot of ordinary people have gathered here today to hear an extraordinary word from you, from a very ordinary preacher. And God, I am so humbled to be standing here. I have wrestled all week with this text. You know it. And like Jacob's, I'm begging you for a blessing before I let you go. This is a whale of a text. It's a whale of a word to those of us who are serious about being the worshipers you seek after. But God, we realize we're not the only ones who are trying to be seeker-sensitive in our worship services, especially when it comes to you. Father, we know that Calvary Temple has that as the same goal. Boy, they're a different faith family from us, but we know they love Jesus Christ. And they're trying to get back to the heart of worship and make it all about you. Father, we're asking you to help them in their endeavors to do that like you're helping us. Please help the body of Christ in Kerr County be better worshipers at the end of this year than we were when we started. And we ask us humbly in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. All week I've had this huge smile in my heart thinking about this ordinary Tuesday and this ordinary chore and this pretty much ordinary lady who's about to have one of the most extraordinary meetings of her life and she has no clue it's coming. It is a grace bomb. And I love them. And I've been thinking this morning that some way, somehow, it is so like God to take a text like this and have someone walk into church who came here to do just a little church. I'm going to sing a few songs. Yeah, here comes the Lord's Supper. Oh, there's that preacher again. I hope it's short today. Well, then you don't know me very well. Uh, Just an ordinary Sunday. Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in your midst. I don't pretend to understand fully the mystery of that, but by faith I believe Jesus Christ is here today. And he's especially here for some of you who walked in the door and in your ordinary life that has just made you desert, dry mouth, parched. You would love to have a drink of some something that would bring true refreshment. And I'm telling you, his name is Jesus. And you've been set up. <laughs> you had no idea we were going to be do- dealing with this text nor this subject. And I'm telling you, it is a huge, huge subject. There are Sundays that I walk in this place. And I wished I could tell you that it was different, but it's just, it's another Sunday. 
And it's another sermon. And it's another song that we sing. I hope those Sundays are fewer and fewer in my life as a worshiper to God. They happen occasionally. Not often, I'm glad to say. But I want you to know, if, if that was you I was describing, I get it. <laughs> the elders here get it. They do some ordinary Sundays like that. Not really thinking much about an extraordinary crowd. Our deacons do that. Our Bible class teachers do that. We all fall prey to that. Everyone say amen. Just so that you don't feel like you're alone and you're the only worshiping dweeb that's here. You know, out to lunch and really not getting this. And hopefully God's going to drop a grace bomb in your lap. This lady has no idea who she's talking to. And I think sometimes, no, most of the time, neither do we. Neither do we. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. That is so easy to sing on autopilot, isn't it? On an ordinary Sunday. When you're feeling pretty ordinary. I don't want to dish on anyone who makes an effort to come when they don't feel like up to coming. But I just don't want you to settle, church. And I think we tend to settle for so much less than what this time can be. I don't know how long God's going to take this series. I think it's going to be about four or five, six weeks at the most. But I am hoping with all of my heart that you hear two major truths out of this text this morning. Is that when it comes to worshipers, God is seeking some. Ordinary people who will expect something extraordinary to happen when his church comes together. And I want to say this morning, if you came specifically and you are dry caring for a mate that at times is more of a burden than a blessing, he gets it. If you're dry with racism that no civil war has seemed to stop and no civil rights movement has seemed to stop, he gets that. If you're dry with a marriage that has as much hope for romance in it as you winning the lottery, he gets that. If you're parched from a body that has more wrong with it than it seems to be right, and you're just weary with the dryness of that, he gets it. But look who's sitting at the well. Look who's sitting at the well. He knew you'd be coming this way. He knows you're a mess, and he'd like to help. And I love that about this text. Of all the discussions that he could have with any group of people, he has it with this woman. She's a five-time loser. And he doesn't bring that up in an ugly way. He just speaks the truth in love. Because he wants to just blow away their smoke screens. Let's just get right down to it. Because he wants to get down to helping her have more. To be not thirsty anymore, but I mean fulfilled and living. Not just for herself, but for others. But she's a mess. And he comes not to offer her a lecture, but he does come offering her living water. And the context, I think, says something about our lives of worship and what it can mean to us. That when I come to God and I'm thirsty for some hope, I'm thirsty for some just skin, I'm thirsty for some love, that I can find that with that group of ordinary people who come to an ordinary place expecting an extraordinary Christ to do something in our lives together. I just want you to notice three truths real quick and we're done. 
Number one, God's seeking for worshipers. You probably didn't think much about that this week. He's after you. The eyes of the Lord are searching throughout the earth to find those hearts that are fully committed to him. Now, I don't know how the last part of that text about war got stuck on there. I didn't intend for that to be there. That would probably shock you. Whoa, that's real encouraging. But get this picture, okay? Because you know searching. I, I know searching. We're searching, the sportsmen. We, uh, we want a home here in Kerrville. We're still living in Fredericksburg. For those of you at Bowles Home, don't know what I'm talking about. We just started preaching here since January, and they haven't fired us yet, so that's a good thing. But we, we would love to have not just our hearts here because they're here, but I'd love to have my bed here, all right? It's 30 minutes away that I could be sleeping, and I'm not. So I'd love to have a home here, and so we're looking with Chris Griffin at homes, and we're making lists, and we're checking it twice, and it seems like we're more naughty than nice because it's not coming. All the houses that we found in January have been sold. So if you see any, or if you'd like to knock off $100,000 from your property value and sell it to us, we're open. Brother. In Christ. We're seeking. You know seeking for the CD, for the video game. Maybe you lost something. Maybe you just wanted a new golf club off of eBay. But you know what it's like to, to be intense about it. And I mean make the list, check it twice, and you're after something. Please hear this. God's after worshipers. If you think pretty highly of God, please think highly of this. He is after people who are incredible worshipers. I don't think about that enough. But he is. You may have thought it was workers. <laughs> I get that. We get someone baptized in the Christ, and one of the first things we're trying to do is get them working, right? No, God says, what I need for you to do is get them worshiping. Because the work will follow if you get them worshiping. But you know what I found out? If you just get them working, the worship may not follow. You may have a bunch of Marthas on your hand, but you won't have many Marys. And you need both. Really in the same person. But God's after worshipers. And here's why. He knows you're worshiping something. And he'd like for it to be him. He hates it when you worship small deities. It makes small people. And so he'd love for you to worship the incredible, limitless, infinite, majestic, all-powerful, living God. And nothing less. And he makes no bones about it. I'm looking for people who will worship me. Jesus says to this woman at the well, and he says to anybody who wants to be the kind of worshiper that God seeks after, two things. Not just that he's seeking worshipers, but number one is a change is a coming. <laughs> now we're two years, 2,000 years removed from this change, so we ought to have this down, Right? The true worshipers that God's seeking after must worship him in, say it first, spirit. We must worship him in what? Spirit. I think that's more than just enthusiastically and with energy and vim and vigor. Although that, I would probably settle with that on most Sundays. If we just come in ready to participate, I mean engage, not just kind of ride the waves and, yeah, holy is the Lord. You are my all in all. Holy, holy, holy. And we do that. 
I think God would be thrilled if we just kind of stepped that up a little bit, but that's not anything with what he's talking about. I don't believe it. He says, there's something that's changing here, lady. Place worship is on the way out. It's not going to be about very soon, about you going to some temple. Here's what he's going to say later through Paul. You're going to be the temple. It's not going to be where the proper place is or what the proper procedure is. It's going to be, does he have your heart, your soul, your mind and strength? Have you offered that to him so that he could move in and take you over? That's spirit. Now, I know that he's talking about that kind of a spirit here because just the next chapter previous to this, I mean, just one over. This guy Nicodemus shows up in the middle of the night and he says, I think you're a teacher of God. And he says, well, if you're interested in the kingdom of God, let me tell you what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be born of the water and of the spirit. You're going to be born again. And Nicodemus goes, what? I just came to pay you a compliment. You're telling me I've got to be born again? What's that look like? Me climbing into my mother's womb? Oh, no, no, no. You're a teacher for heaven's sake. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. Because things are changing. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You're not. Now we know about the Spirit and Him coming into our lives when there's water involved. We've talked about that several times since I've been here. By God's grace, we've seen several people walk in here in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We baptize them because we believe that when we do that, they are cleaned up. I mean, every sin ever attached to them, both in the present and in the future, is gone. That's great news. Amen? The best news is, though, that when we raise them up, we raise them to walk in the power of the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. The same Spirit that raised Jesus' body from the dead is raising them. You think you'd notice that, right? I think he should. I think we should. If we took him seriously at his word, that what he's looking for are those who will worship him in, tell me again, spirit. Spirit. You have him within you. Let him loose. Give him room to work. And we won't be so ordinary. Because he's extraordinary who's in you. Let me tell you some of the things here that you can expect when the Spirit is active in your work. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life to you has set you free from the law of sin and death. Struggling with condemnation? God's mighty answer to you is not just a ritual or a song or a program. It's the Spirit. You're struggling with some sins in the flesh you can't break free from? Romans 8 and verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anybody does not have the Spirit of God, they don't belong to Christ. Romans 8 and verse 15. 
Struggling with fear? The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear anymore. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption as sons, and by him we cry, Father, anytime we want to. Struggling with discerning, man, just can't get your mind around some spiritual truths that are just essential and bedrock basic to your walk in Christ. Well, hear the word of the Lord in 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 12. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Verse 14, the person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God but considers them foolishness and indeed cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Now, this woman doesn't get this fully. She doesn't understand it. It's, just a, it's, it's a word of truth, probably more to us than it was even to her, that God's seeking for those who will worship him. And indeed, the time is coming when place worship and procedure stuff, that's just not going to matter. The Spirit is going to matter. Now, that is what he's looking for in a person. And with that spirit in Ephesians 6 and verse 18, we can pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. And with that spirit in Ephesians chapter 5, 19, we can speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and even songs from the spirit. We can sing and make melody from our heart to the Lord. Maybe the reason why you struggle with when we gather to sing those songs is not because you don't know the words. The Spirit is not in you. Because when God's in the house, it's a different house. Unless you're quenching it. That's the warning that Paul gives us in several places. And without going into a lot more scripture because we're running out of time, I need to say this. Probably the biggest way that I quench the spirit of my own life is just expecting too little. I just do. I expect too little. Both from him and from you. You must worship him, first of all, in what church? Spirit. Then you must worship him in truth. And I think truth here is a little bit more than just not being hypocritical when you do it. Not lying to yourself or lying to other people by just putting on appearances. Because something's changing here. You know, being, being in it, you know, energizing and, and, and enthusiastic, that's spirited, but it's not spirit necessarily. And God was hoping they would do that in the Old Testament worship. Uh, worshiping Him in truth, it, it being uh, non-deceitful and, and, and not hypocritical. He didn't want that from them. Don't give me your lip service. I want your heart. Because I know a lot of people who are worshiping with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That was with the Old Testament worship. No, he's doing something new here. The worshipers he's seeking for must worship him in spirit and in truth. So what's he talking about? What's this new truth? The one who is the way and the truth and the life. Now that's new. There hadn't been a Jesus before. There hadn't been a God in the flesh before. There hadn't been a sacrifice who was absolutely sinless before. Who would die on the cross for the sins of the world before. Who would be raised three days later in the power of the Spirit before. And who would be sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting for the day that the trumpet is blown and He would come and get His church before. Ah, things are changing, church. It's not going to be worship as before. The priorities aren't the same. 
It's not place worship. It's not procedure worship. It's spirit worship. And it's truth worship. And you know what? In regards to the spirit, because I know that's the loosey-goosey part of this talk today, and it was the hardest part for me to get my hands around. And I didn't get a good grip on it, but I, I got my hands on the spirit and, and kind of what it means. You know what your job is? Get this book out and get in it, and you figure it out with me. Because I want to be a church that is a better worshiping church at the end of this year than I was when I came in in January. Are you in with me on that? Then we're going to have to figure out a little bit better what it means to have this spirit let loose in this service. And truth focused on in this service. If I could put these two things in a real simple nutshell, I would say what he's trying to say here is those Worshippers that he's seeking for would be spirit-filled and Jesus-focused. That's my take on it in my journey so far. And I want to be that kind of worshiper for him. Because I'm, I read a piece of scripture this week and I'm going to wrap with it. It just chills me. You may be standing before the judgment seat of God and have some pretty big works to boast about. I mean, that you've been involved with? I'm telling you, he is not searching for workers as much as he's looking for worshipers. Because I know this, you cannot worship what you don't know. And you cannot know what you don't worship. Does that make sense? You cannot know what you don't worship, and you cannot worship what you don't know. And there's going to be a rude awakening to some workers who show up at the judgment day and are expecting to be welcomed in, and God's going to say, Not? Didn't you get the memo? Things changed. I wanted worship that was in the Spirit, and I wanted worship that was focused on the truth. Because that's living, friend. That's my son, the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through him. What about knowing him? Here's the scripture that just chilled me. It's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. You know the scripture. We scared each other to death with it. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, here's the works. Did we not prophesy in your name? And drive out demons in your name. And perform many miracles in your name. And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. That one stops me in my tracks. Because I want you to know I have been focused on working most of my life. I'm raising worship to a much higher priority because of that verse. And I want to make sure that when I worship, it is full of His Spirit and truth. That it is filled with His Spirit and focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here are some guys with some pretty impressive work history. And they have no more future with God. I don't want that to happen to me. Let's pray together that it doesn't happen for anybody. Father, we, we want to first of all just tell you thank you for showing up. We trust that you are faithful to the promise 
that those who draw near to you, you will draw near to. Forgive us that we haven't made that much of a priority. Help us, Father, to raise it to another level. That we would be a church that you searched the world over for. And when you saw us worshiping, you said, angels, look at them. Now that's what I'm looking for. Both when we're in this building and when we're not. Father, we want so very much to not just please you so that you're not mad at us. We just want to see you beam. We're getting back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. Forgive us for making it so much about us. So much fussing, so much fighting, so much tension. When we've made it about us, be the lifter of our head as we have sung today. That we truly in one voice could sing, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Lord God Almighty, forgive us for making it so much about us. We pledge to make it more about you. And we pledge this in Jesus' name and all the church said. Man, thanks for joining me in that pledge because we really do want it to be that way. If you're here this morning and you'd like to be a part of what we just described a while ago, that's incredible stuff. Brand new start in life. You don't think you can start over? Wrong. The truth that will set you free says, no, you can start over anytime you're ready to. You just simply come, if, you, if you've ever been baptized into Christ, and you say, I'm, I'm fessing up. I can't do this on my own. That, that cross thing where he got it all right for me, I want some of that. I want all of that. Count me in. And that new life thing, that spirit that's going to enable me to live and be everything that God's planned for me to be, I want that too. Well, he does it when you're willing to, to say, I need you. I need you. Nothing else. No more little gods in my life. You. That's the only thing that he requires about moving in. Is you being willing to move out. And take down all the other little gods. So we're going to sing this song. Here I am to worship. Come on church. Sing it with me. Here I am to worship. Let's stand. Let's sing. <laughs>